Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, your weekly podcast where we take the timeless questions of fictional journalist Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City and ask if they are still relevant for modern life and love. As ever, you are joined by author and sometime actress Juno Dawson, London's Boy About Town, Dylan B. Jones, and this week we are very, very lucky to be joined by model, actress, and representative of Jekyll Black Cosmetics, it's Maxine Heron. Hello, thank you for having me. Hi, Maxine. Hi. Thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm great. This is potentially the best day of my life. <laughs> Do you know, so many, so many people say this. I'm starting to think people aren't being entirely genuine with us. I truly was just so thrilled to even be asked. I mean, I'm the kind of person that will just turn up to anything at the opening of an envelope, but this really is quite exceptional to me. I just love Sex and City so much. It's my guilty pleasure. I'm someone who turns up to the openings of things too and that's why that's one of the reasons I've been so sad this year I haven't had any openings to go to or like Gab Gab magazine <laughs> I was parties. just going to say we would have <laughs> all boat. gone we would have all gone to that launch of Gab magazine let's be honest yes mm. absolutely and um, let's let's launch in as we often do with with Dylan's potted synopsis which episode have we been watching Dylan so it's season three, episode eight, the big time. It's quite, um, it's not as like compartmentalised as some of the other episodes, I think. They, they're they sort of together quite a lot, aren't they? But um, yeah, Samantha struggles with, Samantha thinks she's got the menopause and is like horrified that she might have the menopause. Oh, Charlotte and Trey are like sort of disgustingly in love and keep telling the story of how they met to everyone including each other <laughs> which i found which i found hilarious and miranda and oh miranda and steve oh. miranda and steve are having issues and carrie oh my god carrie mr big comes back and it all starts to go a bit pear shaped for her it's the beginning of like a mad stint isn't it for her and for it is. It's the start of a. It's the start of a very difficult turning point for her, I think. And yeah. it's just when these seeds start to get planted about what's what's ahead, and yeah. you can really see it written in this episode as well. You're like, come on, you just know. It. It's like when people already know what they're going to do before they even do it. It's it's already laid out. You just know. And the question that we three are going to try and answer this week is: Is timing? everything, which I think is, again, one of those lovely questions that can take us in any direction we want. Um, But, you know, people listen to our podcast because they love Sex and the City. So let's talk about Carrie, Aidan and Big. And this is really interesting because it's the first time in three years that we see a vulnerability to Big. He confesses to Carrie, I'm such a fucking mess. And yes, we've never seen him like that. We forget because, you know, we're all so familiar with Sex in the City that this is the first time we have ever, ever seen Mr. Big be vulnerable for Carrie. <gasps> what do we think? I mean, it's about time. It's too little too late, obviously. It's a mess. If he wanted her that much, he should have got her in the beginning. That's, I don't know, it's, it's too little too late. And then you have this guy, Aiden, that's just giving everything to her and laying it all on the line and she can't, um, people aren't Although, very good at making the right decision, are they? that said, Maxine, I was slightly repulsed by them eating food in bed. I don't know. Oh. I don't know if it's okay. 
Um, I love eating food in bed. So do I. In fact, my that's my favourite hobby. My boyfriend has banned me from um, eating crisps in bed because. Particularly when I was hungover, I always used to eat crisps in bed and the bed was just full of crumbs. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, very crunchy, crumbly foods. I can see... I can see that, but yeah. Um, yeah. But I thought it was quite a big sort of lockdown mood from Carrie and Aiden, like just being in their bedroom, like eating and watching TV, basically. It was very 2020, yeah. Did you yeah. notice that at the foot of the bed during their all-round entertainment, they have a Ouija board? I love what? the. I know. I've never noticed that. That if you go back to that scene at the foot of the bed on like Carrie's ottoman, is a Ouija board. So I love the idea that Carrie and Aiden. <laughs> Summoning the dark spirits. Do you think Carrie's is Carrie a witch? That's how she summoned Big. That's well, what I was going to say. <laughs> Go on, Maxine. You say it, and we'll we'll edit it so you can have that line. Go on. Oh no, you can have that one, Juno. Don't worry about it. I think Juno's a witch, and Juno knew that Maxine was going to say it already. And stole it. <laughs> um, oh my god, how candid! No, I would never. I would never. It's we have guests on to allow our guests to shine. I can't. Imagine uh, what what road led Aiden and Carrie to having a night in with the Ouija board. Just kind of like, I mean, maybe I could see Carrie and Stanford doing that. Why? I think that Samantha would do it if she was trying to find one of the dead presidents to have sex with beyond the grave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe a ghost was, moment. But I yeah, I don't know to, anyone else really. I was trying to think of which of the three other ladies would have done it. And I was like, yeah, Samantha would have given it a go. Carrie and Samantha would have done the Ouija board. Um, but yeah, Charlotte like, would do it if there was like a man involved and she was looking for answers. <laughs> yeah. Well, she does because she went to see a witch at the end of season one. She went to see a Santeria practitioner if we cast our minds back. So Charlotte is not above turning to the dark arts. Um, but yeah, I, I love the fact that between noodles and old films, um, Aiden and Carrie are indeed enjoying a spot of the occult. Why not? Witchy, witchy woo. Um, witchy woo. Witchy woo. <laughs> Maybe that maybe that scene at home of them in bed is to sort of show that their relationship is starting to get like comfortable and safe and like perhaps a little bit unexciting, ready for like Big to come in and Carrie to be tempted by him, do you think? Maybe, I think maybe. So I mean, as Maxine said, the Carrie's story and it is it's a powerful line and I have been in this situation where a man that I really loved and he had really messed me around for a long, long time. So this is going back a long, long while back into my sort of 20s. And just as I felt sort of empowered and ready to just give it up and never look back, he he kind of, he didn't do a big, it was almost more calculating than that. He kind of said, you know, you know, I, you know, there was a time when I thought we could have it all. And like, like Harry said, it was exactly what I wanted to hear about 18 months too late. And it really threw me for a loop. And, and yeah, this is, it's, it's the worst timing. And this is again, coming back to the the theme of the episode, which is fuck, he's married. Carrie has met Aiden, but I don't suppose feelings give two shits about time. Well, it's interesting what you say about someone coming back and bugging you kind of just because they're, at a bit of a loss or they're trying to just regain some power over you because I think I speak for so many people when I say that people have crawled out of the woodwork this year more than ever because suddenly they realise with all this self-reflection and whatever else is going on that they they really messed up and they want to give it another go for whatever reason. Maybe it's a power play, I don't know, but everyone has been speaking about, obviously with the lockdown and everything, people coming out of the woodwork and going, well, I had a good thing there. Like, I wonder what that person's up to. Is that still an option? Nothing yeah. to lose, you know? That's so interesting. I had never compared it to this to to this year in that context, but that's I've just heard endless stories about that as well. Have any have any people slithered out of your woodwork, Maxine? Have people tried to get into it? <laughs> yes, they have. <gasps> Do you know, I had I had three in one weekend recently, and I felt like I'd finally overcome. And it isn't like me bragging that I've had like tons of boyfriends or anything, but three different men from my past, throughout my past, my dating life, whatever. Um, all reached out in the same weekend. It felt like I was just getting it from all angles. I was like, seriously, really? 
It was a no the first time. No. <laughs> when it when it rains, it pours. <laughs> right. And un, under tier three rules, it's never going to happen. Just stop. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that. He's so intense at the end, isn't he? When he shows up, um, mm. he is great. They're both great in that scene. Chris. Yeah. Chris Noth and um, SJP. And yeah, like Juno and I always say, like whenever we've spoken about them, they've just got such amazing chemistry. Like from the moment he was back on the boat, like there was the chemistry again. And she turns around and she's got that like mouthful of the huge, the huge like cube of cheese. Like, <laughs> and it's such a good thing to have her eating because like that is one of the most awkward things you could eat. Like, <laughs> I really, I really felt that boat scene. I felt. Because I'm not great at boats, it's I, I feel quite trapped. I, I don't love being on boats, and in fact, the last time I was on a boat party was a Sternwall party about three years ago. And as we pulled away from sort of Waterloo, I was a bit like, "Oh my god, I'm not going to be back on dry land for three hours with just Sternwall fundraising people." It was quite intense, and the idea that you would be trapped on a boat with an ex—that's like a nightmare. Mm. And I love there was this one line that Big had as well. It, it was his girlfriend's name, Natalia. Natasha. 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 Well, um, yeah, Carrie says, where's Natasha? And then Big says, she missed the boat. <gasps> I just felt like it was such a metaphor mm, for the yeah. fact that she had missed the boat. But Carrie had made the boat. The boat was yeah. never going to wait for Natasha, but it would wait for Carrie. No, we, we've we've acquitted Natasha about three weeks ago. We've decided mm. our party line so I got to thinking is that Natasha is blameless and she is a misunderstood icon of our time (laughs) (laughs) also another line from the boat party I think Carrie needs to like reevaluate her spatial awareness because she like looks out and she's like we're two miles offshore and it's like no you're not like New York City's right you're you're like Possibly a hundred feet offshore, <laughs> not two miles. Like the World Trade Center is right there, but sure. <laughs> mm. Just being, just being over dramatic as usual. <laughs> oh yeah, she's yeah. That's very Carrie. <laughs> she lives for the drama. <laughs> but I do love. I think my favorite scene in this episode is the, and I think it's quite iconic, and I think it has, it is often held up as one of the best scenes, is the toilet scene where the whole yeah. thing the whole thing is shot in the mirror and it must have been an incredibly complicated scene to shoot all four of them together which doesn't happen as often as you think it does and i love 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 and i've used it in my personal life and i think i think it's one of those lines of the script that has found its way into general usage which is miranda's metaphor about men being like taxi cabs and that a man is only available when he puts his light on. And certainly that's something I remember, you know, saying to my girlfriends, you know, his light's not on. You know, you're, you're, you're riding around in his taxi, but he is not, he's not looking for a passenger right now and you are wasting your time. And I, I love it. I love it when those bits kind of, they, they enter our language, like the gay straight man and the straight gay man. And those like weird things, yeah. which kind of, which filter down into vocabulary. I really like the island, that. the island of lost men, the, which I didn't even realize was from Sex and the City. That's how often I use it. I thought I had invented it. Um, I think that's that's <laughs> like a real sign of something like crossing over into the what's the word? It crossing over into like the zeitgeist, isn't it? Is when you use a quote from something so much that you that you kind of think it's your own and you forget it was originally from a TV mm-hmm. show. Like, mm-hmm. and, and like I'm sure we, as Sex and the City fans, I'm sure all three of us have done that completely. Oh my god! Well, yeah. after the break, I'm going to come to an even more critical example of that. But um, I I thought that scene in the bathroom was amazing. I love Kate Spade must have a tiny vagina. (laughs) Um, Kate Spade very sadly passed away last year. And I did. It was awful. Like when her sort of like um, obituary was on the news, I just couldn't stop thinking about her tiny vagina because of that scene with her purse that doesn't fit a tampon in it. (laughs) I know. I did think of her as well. This is where, you know, you realise how much a show really ages and how much time has passed since something was made. And, you know, in in this show as well, you saw in this episode, The World Trade 
Trade Centre behind them. And then they mentioned Kate Spade. And it's just like, it's so interesting. But yeah, I, I, I can never think of her without that line as well. Uh, I was thinking, may she rest in peace. <laughs> what a fucking, what a fucking legacy there. I mean, my God. To oh, be, what an honour. Yeah. yeah. She's going to live forever in that line, I think. And that's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, my favourite line from the episode, which I actually wrote down here because I was so obsessed with it. So it's when Samantha, um, before she has that scene in the mirror where she says, I don't know if you know this, but I'm older. And they're all like, mm, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and well, before that, she says about how she's got this uh, like pamphlet through called New Transitions. And they're sat there and they're throwing around the word transition again and again and again. And then suddenly Samantha comes out with, FYI, I am not transitioning. I am happening. Yes. And I just became so obsessed with that. I wrote that That's down That's something too. that I'm going to adopt. <laughs> yes. How what iconic. A, like transgender icon, Samantha. I mean, like, no. <laughs> but like, what a, yeah, what an amazing mantra. <laughs> yeah I mean if it wasn't for all the transphobia I would have thought maybe she was if <laughs> there was like a subplot that she was trans yeah, very plausible now she would be I mean we you know we live we live in constant threat of them they're rebooting everything else so it seems likely that one day they'll get around to sex in the city um, mm-hmm. I, I tried myself once I was told flatly by a production <laughs> company that HBO will never give up the rights you, you have more chance of remaking Doctor Who um, so but but um, yes, it's sooner or later, you know, when we've said many times in this podcast that if, if they ever were to, I'm sure it'd be a much more diverse lineup. The bathroom scene was so lovely. That's that to see four actors who had such a rhythm with each other, like they were just firing lines like Miranda's for someone who's going through the menopause, you have a mean case of PMS, you know, just firing off like pew, 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 pew. It was so good. And again, we've we've said this lots and lots of times, but it it makes me quite sad that they all weren't the best of friends in real life. There's that very sweet moment when they're all just passing tampons around as well. Have either of you ever carried tampons on you just in case a girl needs them? No, maybe I should. Yes, (laughs) back when I was a primary school teacher because I taught year six. So there was oh. always, always the possibility that... Um, I did not know that you're a primary school teacher at I one was. point, do you know? You've lived a thousand lives. I, re- I really have. I'm going to say I too am older. Um, <laughs> in this context, definitely. Um, you, two, you two are basically embryos. Um, so yeah, I was briefly a primary school teacher and because I taught year six... Um, which was sort of 10 and 11-year-olds, there was every possibility that someone in my class would have their first period. So, of course, the the point at which a person is least prepared for menstruation. So, yeah, we, we kept some in a cupboard. Um, but no, I've never carried any in my Vivian Westwood purse because it's, it's, oh, too, it's nice. too small for a tampon. Um, so, Vivian, Vivian must have a tiny vagina as well. Vivian also <laughs> has a tiny <laughs> vagina, yeah. Um, Glam. Let's, let's take a short break and then when we come back, we will discuss whether or not we think timing is important to relationships and we will come to Miranda and Steve. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to So I Got To Thinking. You are listening to Juno Doss and Dylan Bean Jones and this week's special guest, Maxine Heron. And we have been watching The Big Time and we're discussing how important we think timing is to relationships. Dylan, what do you think? Hmm. I don't know. It's quite a broad one, isn't it? Like, how do you... Yeah, I suppose so Carrie... Obviously, the example Carrie's using is herself and, like, Aiden and Big. That's the thing, isn't it? Like, he's turned up at exactly the wrong moment. Um, I don't really have much to lend to this one because I haven't had... I, I think I've timed everything perfectly. To <laughs> Even if you do say so. So take, yeah. take us back to when you first met Chris. Where were you in your life and why was it a good time? Because obviously something must have been right because you've been together for years. Yeah, so thinking about it, it was a good time for it to happen because I had just had a string of, as you do in your early 20s, had had a string of like completely mad relationships, like crockery flying across room kind of relationships. Bada bing! A little one. (laughs) Bing! (laughs) And another little firework. Um, Yeah, so that was that. that. And then... um, yeah, we just met at exactly the right time. And thank God we did, because if we hadn't, God knows where I'd be now. Not not here in a nice flat in North London. <laughs> that's for sure. Mm. Um, so, yeah. What do you guys think? I mean, because that's the flip side of what you've just said as well, isn't it? Which, where else could you be? Like, Anywhere. it's very sliding doors, isn't it? Which is, you know, where where is the life you didn't? live we watched that the other night not as good as you remember (laughs) i found (laughs) i've seen it once and i think that i'm gonna keep it that way yeah yeah it's yeah (laughs) it's curious film isn't it and it is curious yeah curious that's another one though when you say about how it kind of infiltrates everyday thinking like this sliding doors analogy is something that is so well known now it's something that we can apply to so many different like what ifs Mm. yeah so many so many so often you hear people say like oh it's like sliding doors (laughs) yeah it doesn't even have to be good what an amazing concept (laughs) Sir Polly executed. I think is. I mean, I mean, I wish, I wish. Yeah, I'm going to say. Maybe wish, you could remake that one, Gino. I wish I'd thought of it. That is one of those stories that I wish I'd come up with. Genuinely, it's one of those. Oh fuck! I wish I had that idea because it's so perfect. It's such a great. It's it's a great example of how like a really simple thing that no one else has thought of mm-hmm. is just like really yeah, yeah. I think timing is really key I think all of my 20s were the wrong time for me in love partly because I was young and also because I hadn't transitioned and and that's why as I've said on this podcast before every man that I dated from 2001 to 2013 gets such a free pass because it really wasn't them it was me and you know all those guys that, you know, I could have ended up with. This was always going to happen sooner or later. And I really believe that. And I think, you know, you know, at the time of recording, it's been a very fraught time for the trans community in the UK with all kinds of clusterfuckery going on. And I, I've been thinking a lot about timing and the fact I transitioned when I was 31, but was trans since the day I was born and, and the, the role time has played in that and the time I was born into, you know, when when I was telling my mum that I was a girl in 1986, you know, she was none the wiser. Whereas Maxine, when you told people you were trans 20 years later, there was a whole different world out there for you. So yeah, maybe timing really is everything. I think it is. Yeah, I I really strongly believe that timing is everything. And even with regard to relationships, it can vary from timing in like a very tangible sense of thinking of what your um, environment is. If you're like in one place for long enough, if you're actually single at the same time as the person that you like, if your circumstances make it possible. But then it's it's such a mindset thing as well, like you said, you know, in terms of like your own happiness and um I think I've learned that it's impossible to sustain a relationship, as corny as it sounds, if you are not happy in your own being, in your own environment. You cannot look for that happiness elsewhere. And the second you are looking for, the, for that fulfilment elsewhere, it's doomed. It literally is doomed. Um, yeah. I have a question. I, I like this one because 
I love it when this happens. Are there people you have met where if timing had been different, you think you might have ended up with them? So namely, are they with someone else? Or like I I met someone a few years back before Max where if things had been different, I think we'd have ended up together. Yeah, absolutely. There's two. There's two that I can think of. And it's weird, isn't it? It's just quite sort of, if you think, you kind of forget about them and then every so often they'll pop up like in real life, you'll bump into them or on social media um, and you'll be like, oh. God, like what would have happened? But then like you think about it a bit more and you realise, oh, actually, like it probably wouldn't have actually worked. <laughs> um, but it's kind of, it's romantic, isn't it? It's romantic to think of that. And I think harmless as well to think of that. It just makes you go, yeah. oh, oh, maybe, mm. oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't have any examples, really. I mean, I've I've um, been you know single now for like three years um, and have dated like during that time. Um, so I can't, All of my exes from, I'd say, like, all my exes. I haven't got, like, 50. I've got, like, two. Um, (laughs) But neither of them, and even different people that have come in and out of my life, I just think, like, no, it's very rare for me to, like, form quite a strong connection with someone. So so you're Um, like, well, so you're like, well, that definitely didn't work. Um, Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That's kind of how I see it. I'm just like, hmm, he turned out to be really wrong for me, and that's okay. And I haven't really thought about if we were to meet at a different time, if things were to be different. That's very, um, that's very grown up though as well. That's a very like practical way of looking at things, which is good. Have you ever, met, have you ever met a guy and thought if you were single, I think we would be together? Um, I think that everyone has those encounters. Like when you're single and you meet someone who's really lovely and then you find out they have a partner and you're just like, oh, for God's sake, like that would have been nice. Yeah. Lucky them. Um, oh, you seem really nice and normal for like, seriously, this is, you know, very hard to come by. I so. think it's, I think it's really funny know. when that, um, that's happened to me once like in in real time so like I was chatting to someone who it was at like an event years ago and I was chatting to someone and being quite flirty with him and then um thinking like oh maybe we could like see each other again or maybe who knows where tonight's gonna go and then his husband like came out of the crowd quite quickly and was like come along come on come over here and I was like oh, <laughs> calm okay. down I only asked if the seat was taken <laughs> like clearly was like looking at me like come away from him <laughs> being like he's mine <laughs> Oh, that's the worst. Hands off. I met a guy, I'm not going to say who it is, because actually, I know we say this a lot, but this guy might actually listen to the podcast. It was through work. It was so, it's somebody within publishing. And we were introduced by um, a mutual publishing connection. And we had basically the most amazing... That's very Carrie and Burger. It's so Carrie and Burger. Um, Oh my God, it is a bit. Well, so we were in Cheltenham and we had the, this most just amazing first date. And then quite as I was thinking, a bit like Dylan, gosh, I wonder whose hotel room we'll be going back to. He was like, oh, and yeah, you, you know, you might have heard of my fiance. And I was like, what? How has she not come up in conversation? We've been talking for about two and a half hours. Oh, that's so annoying. Yeah. Oh, well. And then it feels, it feels like a, and you feel kind of like irrationally angry at them as well because it feels like a waste of time and I suppose if they were kind of hiding it from you then you're allowed to be angry with them like if they were being a bit cryptic that's really annoying I just think it just maybe just didn't come up but that was again that was my big sliding doors moment of just kind of like interesting if if I'd got there first again if timing had been different then then maybe that would have gone somewhere although of course his loss is my partner's gain, which which brings us nicely to let's talk about Stephen Miranda, Be- because I didn't again. You know when you're like, oh yeah. About two weeks ago, Max and I were having quite a terse conversation in which I threw my hands up and said, I'm so bored of being mean mommy. And I didn't realise that mean mommy was from Sex and the City. Oh, again. I had no. done it again. It's always Miranda's, it's always Miranda's lines. It's oh, So, yeah, so um, there there we go. I was being Miranda again. Mean mommy. Basically, yeah, because I was basically, we. it's about me and nagging. And I know I have the propensity to be a nagger, but I was arguing if you didn't do this shit, I wouldn't need to nag. 
So, <laughs> so, um, so that's how, that's how that came about. Um, and I did point out no one wants to fuck mean mummy as well. So, um, yeah, so that, that had wholesale landed in my head. But this is, it's quite sad because last, last week we were dealing you know, things, even in the last episode, things seemed quite calm with Steve and Miranda in that she was dealing with his skid marks. And the we- oh, my God. Yeah, I forgot about that. And the, we- oh! the week before that, they were dealing... See it on the, you see it on the... Um, <laughs> you actually see the poo as well. <laughs> yeah, it's quite graphic, really. So we've got skid marks, and the week before that, they were comparing their sexual tallies. And we've gone from that into... And I will say this... The shift in Steve's behaviour, I found quite abrupt. His his sudden declaration that we should have a baby. I was kind of like, what the fuck? Where did that come from? He's just seen one baby in a Japanese restaurant. What the fuck? It all and seems- what annoyed me as well, honestly, when, when they get the puppy, I don't know if you were just about to get on to that, but he gets her to come out of her busy working day. She's working time and a half, it says, because she's just got so much on and she's trying to make partner at her law firm. And he phones her up and he's like, can you meet me in half an hour? And she's like, Steve, I'm busy. And he's like, meet me in half an hour. We need to go and look at puppies. And then she goes and meets him and they look at a puppy and then she says, fine, we can get a puppy. Probably then goes back to her extremely busy working day. And then... I think it's that night they end up having this sleepless night with the puppy. And the next day it says, she was partner, the next day she gained eight more. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think it's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Steve, what's good about this is like, I thought she was a little bit, they're both a little bit in the wrong. I think him more so. I think she was a little bit in the wrong at the start by like, just kind of like really quite vehemently even dismissing even the idea of have, of the baby. Like, she didn't really talk... She was very, like, blunt with him and didn't, like, discuss it properly. But then he, I thought, was, like, unforgivably childish and, like, quite manipulative as well. Mm. Like, and being, like, a bit, like, kind of, like, um, emotionally blackmailing her a bit. Um, but, like, as is always the case with their storylines, like, it was quite... I think it, it quite, like... It was quite upsetting because it was quite realistic in, like... You could see why it was happening and you could see that there was no way out of it. But I agree with Juno like, it, and Maxine. Like, it was really abrupt. Like, they were kind of... They were fine last week and now suddenly, like, they've broken up. Like, what's happened? It could... It feels like if this... You know, if Miranda was given as much attention as the Carrie character, that storyline could have been seeded maybe better and they could have talked about babies last week and then this week it came to fruition. I think it just felt like... Yeah, it kind of, you know, Steve, you know, we've established that Miranda has a much more professional job and and perhaps she's had to be the grown-up. We we established this season that Steve has different dreams to Miranda when he wants to do the half-time shot at the basketball. So maybe it kind of fits that out of nowhere he decides to have a baby and he says, come on, it'll be fun. Like, oh my God, it's mm. not go-karting, it's a baby. No, um, exactly. I know, I was I was slightly frustrated with Miranda for acquiescing on the puppy as well, because actually, I will say this, a puppy is a huge responsibility. I know our listeners don't, don't need telling that a dog is for life, not just for Christmas. Um, <laughs> but, um, God, a, a puppy, a new, a new puppy is almost as hard, one would imagine, as yeah. a baby. Good God, it was... I remember the first few months with Prince, my little chihuahua, really hard work. Um, but um, I was... This, this storyline left me very sad. Um, it did, you know, resonate partly with me, the, the notion, again, that the relationship that I'm in right now with my fiancé is in some way reminiscent of Miranda and Steve's relationship um, in, in again, in that sort of the, the sort of the professional role that I have. Although actually my partner has actually changed jobs and is, is working in a professional role now as well. But um, it's, it, it made me really sad and sort of like, because there is, again, speaking of timing, in a different time, Steve and Miranda could have been Max and I. And I find that, that sometimes I find their relationship, I believe the word is triggering. Because I was like, God, you know, that, you know, if Max and I weren't, because I will say this, you know, we, we communicate so well with each other that I don't think there's anything that we couldn't talk about. So we wouldn't end up like Steve and Miranda because... 
I wouldn't, if Max, I mean, good God, he'll be listening to this and he'll be howling with laughter. If Max was to one day say, let's have a baby, it'll be fun, um, <laughs> which would never happen because Max hates children even more than I do, um, um, I, I wouldn't shut him down. I'd be like, this is interesting. You've never mentioned babies before. Is it that you've just seen mm. one across your noodles and think, you know, <laughs> or like maybe we could spend some time with our friends who have babies and that would put you off instead. Um, yeah. Um, do you enjoy sleeping and sex, for example? Because <laughs> I'll mean, t- tell you what stops. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we'd have those conversations. Um, so I don't, I don't think... I would we would end up quite like Miranda and Steve but yeah I found I found this whole episode really sad and and I really like Miranda and I really like Steve and that that bit where Steve says we've got some good stuff here you know it's they do and 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 also Miranda's decision to end the relationship feels quite abrupt as well it feels like she I know like, wouldn't I feel like they both needed to just take a breather sleep in different rooms that night, pick it up, maybe spend a few days away from each other yes. and talk about it. But they just they just didn't do that. They both threw their arms up in the air and were like, and that was it. And then it was kind of over. Mm. Yeah. Very, but he'll be back. But he will. I remember yeah. at the time being quite sad about him going, obviously not knowing he was going to return. Um, and But again, timing, as we will learn, is everything for them because, of course... <laughs> Steve does get his baby in the most unlikely way possible. She has a, is it a tilted uterus? And he has one testicle. So, um, oh, yeah, that's right. God. I was going to say, can we talk about Len Schneider? Ah, yes, we will. Oh, <laughs> Len. Len with the mullet. I love him. Why do I love him? <laughs> I don't know. Wait, I, don't I, ha- I have the answer. I know exactly why Dylan loves Len Schneider. It's because he's a man with a dangly earring. <laughs> do you like a man with a dangly earring, Dylan? Yeah, on, on occasion. Yeah. He also, like, of the many bizarre things he said... The most bizarre was, I make a mean wine spritzer. <laughs> like, what? As if that's you... that hard. <laughs> also, like, how can you, it's a wine spritzer, it's wine with so, like, how else do you make it? Like, it's a wine spritzer. <laughs> and I love that Samantha's just like, oh, God. Like, and just resigned, <laughs> she just resigns herself to it. She's like, okay, fine, sure. <laughs> like, whatever. I was um, fascinated by him, honestly. I just feel like that was part of that whole Samantha trying to reconcile with being older and then just failing miserably, obviously. And then when she gets her period while they're having sex. Just so much. It's just such a, honestly, it's all just so, so much. I didn't know what, I didn't know. All I was, I couldn't take my eyes off his mullet. That was it for me. <laughs> um, now, I did think when someone said over the hill losers hitting on beautiful women, I mean, that is still happening. She was like, when did it, be- when did it become acceptable for over the hill losers to hit on beautiful women? Like the apps have made that even more easy now, haven't they? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, they have. Yeah. Oh God, that's a blast. I mean, I'm not, on, I'm not on any apps at the moment, but yeah, no, they definitely do open that door more than any other time in life for sure. And mm. um, I'm glad I was. It was encouraging to see them talking about the menopause. It feels like in a show with four women in their forties, it would have been insane for them not to, even if on this occasion they skip it. Of course, we will later come back to Samantha's menopause in Sex and the City two. <laughs> Which again, I, I oh do, gosh. I do dread. It's like the inevitable, the inevitable day will come when we have to talk about that film. But yeah, she she will eventually go through the menopause about ten years on from this episode. Um, when, when what are you going to do when the film when you get to the films? Are you going to have like a panel of people all contributing? I think we should do them as live events. I think we should do them as live we, events. Yeah, because by presumably oh we'll be living in a post-vaccine world where we can get together and. And we can maybe have a live audience for the films where we watch them live and then discuss them. Although, God, what a grueling four hours that would be <laughs> in, in in terms of the second one. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool, you know, to see. And I thought that conversation, another four-piece conversation, where they, I wonder at the time if it was really refreshing to hear four women. Because I think with the exception of Samantha, they all invite the menopause they all say oh my god i can't wait to be free of periods now as as fully functional transgender women maxine and i (laughs) don't have the menopause to look forward to so today we don't have a womb in the room but i 
can't think of any other TV show in which the menopause has been painted as a positive thing. And actually, mm. you know, Miranda and Carrie in particular seem quite excited to embrace the the third yeah. the third zone of life as it were so what does, what does charlotte say she says something the third zone of life i have not heard that before well i was thinking um, like in which in, in witchcraft terms you have the maiden the mother and the crown um mm-hmm. i for, oh, okay. I, I for the longest time was terrified of aging and actually sex in the city made me less scared of aging because I had women in my 40s to look up to and still be fabulous. And I sort of thought, you know, now next year I turn 40 and once that would have really terrified me. I Don't get me wrong, I'm quite resentful of the fact I missed out on my 39th year due to a global pandemic. So next year I might turn 39 again just out of spite. But, um, yeah, I, I don't mind, you know, the cast of Sex and the City were all in their late 30s when it began and, and they were always really iconic to me. Yeah, I think so as well. And it's the only real representation I've seen of these like single women who are still figuring it out, even though they've all got such an enormous privilege afforded to all of them. Um, and like unexplained privilege as well. Like unexp- unexplained in so many ways. I just don't know how they're all... Miranda's the only one that I understand. The rest of them, I don't understand what they do all day. I don't understand how they live. I don't understand how they shop. I've, I don't know how they put food in their mouths, literally. We were, um, watching, we were watching an episode ages ago and I flagged it on the podcast. I think it was in like the early series two or something where Carrie just like goes out for drinks four times in one day. And it's like, <laughs> what, are you do- like what are you doing? How? Who does that? And like, why aren't you like, waste- how are you not wasted? Like, um, yeah. I think um, we were in different times for print media. So Carrie was probably on quite a good wage as a columnist. Um, Charlotte, now, we never meet Charlotte's parents, even at her forthcoming wedding. I think she might come yeah. from money. I think she might be... I think she does. Um, and Samantha, well, she runs a business. And again, she's older. And I sometimes think, you know, it was in my 30s that my earning zoomed forward, kind of. And so I wonder if that's true of Samantha as well, which is maybe she's just got 10 years on the rest of them. So she's just earned more money. Um, in, in terms of the shopping, I know it literally doesn't make sense. Now Now that I know what a pair of Manola Blanics cost, Carrie can't afford them. She can't. She's stealing <laughs> no. them. I mean, maybe she's being sent freebies. I will say this. Victoria Beckham sent me a free T-shirt last week. And Ma- oh, did she? Max- oh, did she? I like to think personally that Victoria was uh-huh. like, I'm just going to send Ju- Juna Dawson a T-shirt. Yeah, no, wait, you haven't sent one to Juna, she said. So um yeah. So there is there is a case of the people who need freebies the least do sometimes get sent freebies. So um maybe maybe Carrie got some some press samples as well. Um, um I'm trying to think Charlotte and Trey. We should talk mm. about Charlotte and Trey. Not much yeah. really happens. Because what I think is compelling about Charlotte is we've talked about this a couple of times this season, which is her self-determination, which in the, in the series premiere, Maxine, they're on the Staten Island ferry and Charlotte announces while drunk to the Statue of Liberty that I'm getting married this year. And so for her, there was an element of timing even in that episode. And I have seen this in real life. I have seen both men who have decided to flick on their taxi light and I have seen women who have said, right, that's it. Enough is enough. I'm getting married. And this has led some people I know into what I would consider quite questionable choices. It's led some of my friends to make some quite questionable choices, I think, um, and make decisions that maybe are a little bit rushed. And it's interesting because one of the things that nobody said, because I mean, I think one of the ultimate timings, if we're talking about the importance of timing, is biological clock, which is we talked... I was going to say yeah. as well, they're all big believers in this kind of... I think so much of the timing that we're speaking about in the show is whether or not there's this synergy between each pairing and if that is going to be what ultimately decides if they're compatible or not and if it's a sustainable relationship. But actually, I think a big part of it as well is this obviously very patriarchal idea that they're all expiring, that they're all in their 30s and they're all reaching that point that they should be concerned about this. And that's the biggest timing hanging over any of their heads that's way out of their controls or or any of their synergy that they could have with any of their partners. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that, I mean, thank God, I think that nowadays 
that doesn't exist as much. I'm sure it exists a bit. Oh, no, um, I, I think it's still very, very... Because I think a lot of that... I think it's absolutely rife. Among mm-hmm. my friends, it's a big thing. Maybe that's my... Because we've had this discussion before, Juno, and I remember I said the same thing, and then you you said the same thing that you've just said. Maybe it's my gay um, male privilege showing. It's. I mean, it's the thing, I think... I think, <laughs> I think for gay men, yeah, perhaps... And it, it slightly mm. swerved me, although as soon as I transitioned, I started being asked what I felt about babies in a way that I'd never been asked about babies yeah, before. Yeah, that's so, that's so interesting, mm. isn't it? But I think it's, it's for cisgender women, it's a real thing. And uh, because a lot of the pressure actually comes down from the generation above. So even now, our generation has come to accept that marriage and motherhood is one option but certainly not the only option I think the generation above ours it's still really expected and so I think even if we've learned to relax about biological clocks I think our parents haven't and put enormous pressure on their daughters in particular about well when you know if you know I I still I still hear people say you know well if I want to have children I need to get married now and that's depressing <laughs> that that those conversations are still happening but then again if 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 you want children it's something worth thinking about and that's i think that's why the the notion of the biological clock is never going to entirely go away un- unless we do you know looking forward to science and advances in science that you know whereas women under 30 were previously pressured to think about motherhood now i think in in 2020 it's women under 40 who are who are sort of pressured into thinking about motherhood but still that's still another again to answer carrie's question how important is timing i think timing is really important yeah, I would say so as well, definitely. As ever with this podcast, there there are big feminist issues at play in this episode. And while, yep, they, they do consider menopause in this episode, not one of them really mentions the fact all of they're all getting older. All of them are getting older. Mm-hmm. But I wish I wish somebody yeah. I mean, Miranda does say to Charlotte, to go back to Trey and Charlotte, Miranda does say to Charlotte, you can't know he's the one after two weeks you just can't mm. and and i think the problem is charlotte has decided i'm getting married this year and ultimately that that clock ticking in her head leads her mm. into real trouble and obviously we know what is going to happen with her and trey um yeah. it, it yeah. doesn't end well spoiler alert i was thinking <laughs> with with age when you were talking about age why are so many shows of this format about people in their 30s. Friends, Will and Grace, Sex and the City. Yeah, like three sitcoms set in New York with friends in their 30s. I think it's maybe because people have um, even more kind of grown-up problems than if people are in their 20s. People are probably, they probably know themselves a bit more. So there isn't that same like confused character development kind of part where you see, I don't think, people radically change from the start of a season to the end of the season or from the start of the series to the end of the series. but they're all doing the grown-up thing, I think, in quite a grown-up way, and then juggling very grown-up issues around that. I think. Mm, I think yeah. it's just a level of being much more of an adult than in your twenties, arguably. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Hmm. But like, yeah, interesting. <laughs> things like marriage, things like kids, all of that stuff is much yeah. more thirties behaviour. Oh, so thirties well, is, is oh, it's when shit gets real. The thirties, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and and I recognise that now that you know my twenties. I wish I'd relaxed. I wish I just enjoyed my twenties loads more. Um, I put, you know, I, I remember sort of thinking, oh my god, you know, I'm nearly thirty and I've never lived with a partner, and you know that possibly is how I ended up living with a partner that was completely unsuitable for me at the time. So I think. Yeah, we all need to. In conclusion, timing is a big deal, but maybe we all need to learn to relax. We've all we've all got a very few number of years on this planet, and all of us are getting older. And maybe we all just need to we need to chill. We've got to accept time. Um, 
no more firma. What what's meant for you will come to you. There you go. I read that if somewhere that's, today. Uh, that's not a 2020 message. I don't know what mm. it is. <laughs> um, Maxine, thank you so much for coming on. Um, so I got to yeah. thinking. Um, will you will you come back later on in the series? Of course I will. Oh. Is this an official invite? Can I get that in writing? Well, we'll, <laughs> well, we'll see. We've we've got six seasons and two films to to get oh through. Word. So I'm so ready. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me, both of you. It's been a pleasure. Um, for the rest, for our listeners, where can we find you online, Maxine? Oh, right. Well, um, I'm on Instagram at Maxine Heron. Um, I don't really use Twitter because it's full of turfs. Um, so you can probably just see me posting pictures of myself on Instagram. Yay! That's about it, really. Yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> For the rest of you, we are at S-I-G-T-T Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Juna Dawson. I'm at Dylan B. Jones, LDN. And next week, we will be watching Series 3, Episode 9, Easy Come, Easy Go, when when Carrie and Biggs' dalliance is going to get even darker. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you next week. Take care. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.